Greetings. My name is Vince Williams. I'm the president and CEO of the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council. The hashtag BiDiverse podcast, powered by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council, provides a voice to minority-owned businesses and entrepreneurs, as well as to corporations seeking to meet their diversity, equity, and inclusion goals strategically and intentionally. Hear the stories of certified minority-owned businesses and learn about their journeys, challenges, best practices, and successes. Also, discover Chicago MSDC's robust offerings to support business owners with certification, advocacy, connecting, and developing. Founded in 1968, Chicago MSDC is the premier organization that advances business opportunities for its certified Asian, Black, Hispanic, and Native American entrepreneurs. Contact us at www.chicagomsdc.org or bydiverse.net. This is Vince Williams, President and CEO of the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council, and you're listening to Hashtag BiDiverse, powered by Chicago MSDC. What you can expect from our podcast, first-hand success stories, business opportunities that are within the pipeline, best practices, advocacy, mentorship, how and why companies should join us, all on WGN. So welcome to Hashtag Buy Diverse by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council on WGN Radio. Today we have an interview with Congresswoman Robin Kelly of the 2nd Congressional District. Congresswoman Robin Kelly has dedicated her career to public service as an advocate for Illinois families. Since being elected to serve the 2nd Congressional District, in 2013, she has worked to expand economic opportunity, community wellness, and public safety across the state, championing numerous initiatives to generate job growth, reduce health disparities, and end gun violence. A staunch champion of common sense gun reforms and responsible community policing, Representative Kelly is a co-chair of the Congressional Gun Violence Prevention Task Force and is the author of the 2014 Kelly Report on Gun Violence in America, the first ever congressional analysis of the nation's gun violence epidemic that offers a blueprint for ending the crisis. Prior to her election to Congress, Kelly was a member of the Illinois House of Representatives, served as Chief Administrative Officer of Cook County, the second largest county in the United States, and was Chief of Staff to Illinois State Treasurer Alexi Janulius, becoming the first African-American woman to serve as chief of staff to a constitutional statewide office holder. Congresswoman Kelly attended Bradley University in Peoria, where she earned a BA in psychology and an MA in counseling. She later received a PhD in political science from Northern Illinois University. Congresswoman Kelly, we've seen you in the news recently regarding the Boulder murders on the topic of assault weapons. Your election as chairwoman of the Democratic Party of Illinois and you are the first black woman elected to this position. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been quite a month. I can imagine. I can imagine. The violence, this trauma, the events that have unfolded in our nation's capital earlier this year, I'd love for you to have the opportunity to share on these topics with our audience. Please, if you don't mind. 
No, I don't mind. Actually, I was one of the people caught in the gallery or left in the gallery on January 6th myself and about 20 to 25 other members. And we were initially there to watch the accreditation of Joe Biden, President Joe Biden. And so we didn't know everything that was going on on the outside. And then the next thing we know, we saw leaders being ushered out. We were told to get the gas masks and we might have to hide under seats. And so we got out our gas masks and we were locked in to the gallery. And then all of a sudden we ran from the Democratic side to the Republican side. And it was interesting. I later found out I thought the police asked us to do it, but it was one of my white colleagues. And he apologized later because he said the reason he asked us to run because he thought if we were on the Republican side, they might think that we're Republican. But then he realized later, these are his words, he realized it was his white privilege that made him think like that because there were like, not that black people can't be Republican, but there were six of us and one of my Indian colleagues, they know not that many of us are in Congress that are Republican. So that didn't make sense either. But it was a harrowing experience. And, uh, you know, we got out of there. And the reason we got out of there is because the officer shot the woman. So that gave them time to stop the mob. And it gave them time to come and get us and take us to a safe, undisclosed location. Oh, my goodness. I can only imagine what you were going through at that time, just the fear, the unknowing, even as a black American. Right. You still don't don't think that you would experience that at our nation's home. Right. Well, the thing is also for me, because I do so much work around gun violence prevention, I was like, wow, I didn't say, is this the way I'm going to die? But I just said, wow, is this the way it's going to be? So while we were up there, we all took off our identifying like our pins. And I happen to have on my Congressional Black Caucus, Robin Kelly mask. You know, we took off all the identifying features. But the next day when, um, you know, we went back and did our work and we finished like three or four in the morning and I just stayed up because my flight left at eight and Congressman Garcia and I. We were on the plane with some of the people that were there. So I don't know where people think they all came from, but some of them came from Illinois, definitely. Absolutely, yeah. And I think we saw that on some of the local stations here, too, that executives, I mean, the people of all walks of life were actually there, you know. And they arrested someone from the south suburbs that was there. I'm not sure what they saw that he did, but definitely did that in my district. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And we share the same district. I currently live in the south suburbs. I'm, uh, I'm in Flossmoor. Oh, okay. And, and yeah, and so um, I know we have that in common, and we have a yeah. lot of great things that are happening in, in the south suburbs. Hopefully, this casino that's on the horizon. <laughs> Correct. Hoping. I, I can't be partial because I think about three of my towns are going for it. But, yeah. you know, between that, I now, at the end of the day, will have five Amazons in the district yeah. for in the south suburbs one in pullman and you know pete's market just opened and uh, there's a lot of things even in the kankakee part of my district that's really a hidden gem there's a map that shows the things that they manufacture go to about 70 countries you know around the world it's just really amazing Outstanding. And we know that manufacturing is not an industry that's very diverse. So just to <laughs> uncover that is actually really huge, too. Mm-hmm. Very good. Manufacturing, all, uh, technology, energy, there's yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> there's so many, right? There's so many, which really makes our membership more relevant, which is 
our reasoning for wanting to have the hashtag Biodiverse podcast so that we can have conversations like this and really control the narrative, if you will, of diverse businesses, the importance of them today. And I understand uh, after doing some due diligence that you're the daughter of a small business owner. Yeah, I'm the daughter of a small business owner. My grandmother in the 1940s saved her money up, didn't tell my grandfather, and she went and purchased a grocery store and told my grandfather he was in the grocery business. And that, a black woman in the 1940s, yeah. And then when they retired, my dad took over the store. Phenomenal. That is an excellent story. (laughs) How, How has it shaped you today? Oh, my God. Well, I and my brother and, like, my dad all very strong work ethic. I worked in the store like when I was eight years old. You know, uh-huh. I, I can remember when cigarettes were 28 cents a pack, <laughs> you know, oh, um, but I worked yeah. in the store and, you know, didn't have all the computerized stuff. It was an old fashioned cash register. So I learned how to deal with all kind of people and, you know, yeah. nice people, not so nice, angry Customer people. Service, right? People, right. And then I learned, you know, how to count money and how you stay until the job is done when you own your own business. Absolutely. Yeah, just the heart. That's that's phenomenal. It's such a great share. Um, We also know that you're a member of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. You served on the Health, Energy, Consumer Protection, and Commerce Subcommittee. For our listeners, what are you working on today in these committees? Is there ways that we can continue to support? Well, that changed a little bit. Right now, actually, I was just elected the vice chair of the Energy and Commerce Committee, but I switched committees. I'm on health, but I'm on communication and technology and then consumer protection. But I'm a big health person because I'm chair of the Congressional Black Caucus Health Brain Trust. So, of course, COVID, 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 but also big in working on the issues around maternal mortality for about four years now. And actually in the rescue plan, we were able to get something we were working on to give states the option to cover Medicaid postpartum instead of just for two months. It's now for a year, which is good because when things happen, it just doesn't happen on the day of birth. It could happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It could happen. The postpartum period is considered to be a year. So we got that into the American Rescue Plan. So that's been a big part. But just really working hard on healthcare disparities and healthcare access, just things like that, because the numbers of COVID are shocking, but not surprising, because we know yeah. that the disparities have been there forever. You know, so trying to correct that and in a lot of different ways, you know, like trying to diversify the healthcare pipeline. There's been many studies that talk about people do better when it's people that look like them that are their docs or at least understand the realities of their situation. So trying to diversify that different type of training in medical school or nursing school or whatever. I don't like the term cultural competency, but you know what I'm getting at. I do. (laughs) More open-mindedness because of the stories around people think black people can, you know, deal with pain better or, you know, just a lot of stories around that too. We're not listening to the pain management is higher, not necessarily true. Right. Right. No, not true. (laughs) Or or women aren't listened to like men are, but black women, you know, it's even further exacerbated. So working all things around that, also working with telehealth, like the cross between technology and medicine that rose greatly during COVID and trying to see what we could do to further expand that because people 
kept their appointments more. We spoke to a lot of black docs and they talked about that, that people, you know, were able to keep their appointments. People didn't have to miss work or school or they didn't have to find babysitting or transportation. So where that can be used more, we want to make sure we set the course of the environment for that. I um, love that. Yeah. Great advantages then to, to pivoting, if you will, during this pandemic to where now it's increasing our rates of, of health care and, and how we as, as Blacks, if you will, are taking advantage of the situation that we're in. Definitely. In yeah. Definitely. You know, we have a working group out of energy and commerce that's dealing with disparities across the board. We thought it was just going to be health, but it's health, energy, tech, the environment, consumer protection. We're looking at it in all ways because there's environmental discrimination. You know, with tech, we've we've really tried to hold their feet to the fire because of their lack of diversity in the boardroom and the C-suites and who they're hiring and not only who you're hiring, because you could bring someone in. But if you don't have the right environment, the right nurturing, the right mentoring, they won't last either. So uh, but it's a whole, you know, host of things. Incredible commonalities. You know, we advocate here for the minority businesses, all Mm -hmm. the great work that you're doing, you know, from all of the industries, the underrepresentation that, of course, we continue to see and is is highlighted even more today, too, is really what is paramount. I love that the Illinois Black Caucus, yourself, House Speaker Welch, and, and, and the other elected officials, you're really doing some great things when it comes to that. So thank you. And also just to tell your audience, the Congressional Black Caucus is really about that also. And Joyce Beatty, Congresswoman from Ohio, is our chair. And, you know, we're hoping and working with the White House. And, you know, we've been talking to them a lot that minority businesses will see some change. Black businesses will see some changing. Latino businesses will see some changes and where there will be more access to capital. A friend of mine says, don't tell me you love me, how businesses are like, oh, we're going to do more. You know, we're going to give scholarships, but it's it's like, don't tell me you love me. Show me you love me. You know, give me the contract. Give me, you know, the job. Consult with me. Change who you do business with. That love is a verb. Yeah. (laughs) Don't tell me. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. How can our listeners follow you and learn more? Is there a website? Is there a Social media access. Yeah, robinkelly.house.gov. Okay. If you just put my name in search, all this stuff pops up. <laughs> and everything goes up. Outstanding. Yeah. Phenomenal. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate this. Thank you so much and congratulations again. Thank on you all so much. Continued accomplishments. Please know that um, you have a, a supporter here, you have a friend in this organization for everything that you're continuing to do. And, and I hope that once we get back to some normal, if you will, I that know. we can have you have you in to talk about this and, and get in front of uh, our members and our sure. corporations that really stand behind all this great right. work that you're doing. I would love to. I would love to. And, you know, I don't have all the ideas. So, it, you know, if there's ideas you want to share, please call the office. Outstanding. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Becoming a strategic partner with Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council puts you in front of other corporations like Allstate, United, AT&T, Walgreens, Northern Trust, AbbVie, and McDonald's. Some of our national members include Amazon, Facebook, 
Coca-Cola, Worldwide Technologies, and others. And now, back to Hashtag Buy Diverse Podcast, powered by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council on WGN Radio. Mark Hands, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hashtag Buy Diverse, powered by Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council. How are you? Oh, good. Great. Uh, thanks for having me this morning. Absolutely. If you don't mind for our listening audience, please tell us your title at your place of employment, and then we'll go into further um, your engagement with the Chicago MSDC. Sure, absolutely. I'm the Director of Supplier Diversity. I'm also the Associate Office of Minority and Women Inclusion Director for the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago. Wow, that's a lot there, Mark. <laughs> but, but of course, phenomenal work with what you're doing at the Federal Reserve. And so you have been engaged with the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council for a number of years. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so, you know, I, I started working with the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council many years ago. It goes back to my days uh, when I was with the city of Chicago. I was their managing deputy procurement officer. And um, our chief procurement officer at the time was Barbara Lumpkin, and you know we were looking for ways to make the the city's MBE WBE certification process more efficient. So we looked to the Chicago MSDC, and uh, you know they were the gold standard. Uh, you know they continue to be. So we were looking for a, a more uh, kind of a model, so to speak. Uh, you know, and just a side note, too, I also learned about the council through Ralph Moore back in my days with the city. In fact, I met Ralph when we were in a uh, meeting with the mayor, with Mayor Daly, and that's the first time I met Ralph, and we were discussing the challenges of minority businesses back then, you know. So uh, I've been, you know, just associated with the council a long time. Outstanding. That's pretty phenomenal, and I love that history of some of the minority businesses that are still engaged with us today. Ralph G. Moore and Associates and some of the initiatives that he provides for our council members, for our board members, for our strategic partners, our organizations is pretty phenomenal. So that that's that's a great share. I appreciate that. So that means you know everything about certification. You are the new certification expert. <laughs> um, so as you talk with more businesses, if you will, strategic partners, organizations, as well as women-owned businesses that you work with at the Federal Reserve, does certification become a part of the conversation? Or can you share if you recommend that for our listening audience? Because you know of the advantages, especially coming from municipalities and procurement. You know, one of the things about certification, you know, just uh, several reasons why I encourage businesses to get certified. You know, obviously, it's really, I call it a tool in your arsenal to try and get business, especially if you want to do government-related work. You know, they require certification to to be part of their supply chain. They have set-aside programs in terms of where they want to have a certain percentage of business with minority and women-owned businesses. And so that certification is very important and is a very important tool. But I also think there's something that a lot of businesses don't think about, and I think it really, really showed during these unprecedented times we have trying to get the PPP loans, the payroll protection loans. A lot of uh, minority businesses, you know, found out weren't able to take advantage of some of these policy initiatives. And a lot of it is they weren't bankable in some cases. They um, they didn't have a bank. They didn't have 
paperwork. They didn't have state financial statements. And so one of the things that our certification process does, it requires you to really have your business in order. You know, you have to have your bylaws for your operating agreement for your directors. Uh, You have to have financial statements. You have to have your articles of incorporation. Uh, You have to have all of the things you need to run a business. And so certification really is not only a tool once you're certified to get get business, but it really helps you organize your business and get all of your affairs in order. That's phenomenal. And I think that's a great share for a lot of those that are considering certification, but thinking that it is a process that they did not want to be a part of. But with, again, them being able to utilize it as a precursor for really, like you said, having their ducks in a row to apply for any types of future grants, any types of loans, other business opportunities that present themselves, certification will allow them to have uh, everything ready and locked and loaded, if you will. Absolutely. Outstanding. So you mentioned earlier, too, about the terrible you know, economic disruption that we're experiencing right now. A lot of minority businesses, a lot of strategic organizations, big companies are really looking at downsizing the number of employees they use, as well as uh, how they've operated historically. What impact do you think that companies should be making right now when it comes to minority businesses? You know, that that is such an interesting topic that's going on in discussions that are going on in corporations now. You know, one of the things I, I feel so fortunate that I'm working with the Federal Reserve because, you know, we don't necessarily have the pressures of the bottom line like other corporations. And one of the things that we did, we really tried to support our small businesses and our minority businesses through this pandemic. And one of the things that we did, we paid certain critical vendors as if we were operating under normal operations uh, through the course of, of 2020. And we also helped our small and minority businesses with their cash flow by paying their uh, approved invoices immediately despite the uh, payment terms. And so we really think that corporations need to uh, be more intentional and try and help small businesses any way that they can. You know, one of the other things that I'm trying to do here in 2021 is as a lot of minority businesses are contemplating, you know, do they pivot to do other things? Do they stay in business? Do they go out of business? But we think our tier two programs throughout our corporations need to be more intentional. So I'm really reaching out to our larger suppliers and saying, hey, I really want you to be more intentional whenever possible to uh, subcontract to our minority and women-owned vendors. That's phenomenal. And I think that's a great metric to provide for some of those suppliers that you're working with. So by you implementing that or forcing it into the the agreement or contract, you know, really helps to diversify where where things are going and and the impact that we can continue to make with it. So kudos to you. Um, You're the board chair of the Chicago MSDC. Tell us about that. Wow. (laughs) You know, know, it's like when the baton was passed to me as chairman in 2019, you know, I couldn't help think about some of the great leaders that the organizations had, like, you know, May Foster Thompson, Deborah Jennings Johnson, and Emmett Vaughn, and, you know, the late Emmett Vaughn. And, uh, you know, I I was just inspired by them to really take this position seriously and uh, really 
lead this organization through. I wouldn't have expected to lead this organization organization through these unprecedented times. But you know, I'm, I really think this is a great organization, and I'm just excited about the the future. You know, with your leadership, new ideas and fresh ideas, and passion for this space. But I'm just excited about having the opportunity to build a new version of the council that's going to live well beyond you know 2021. Outstanding. And thank you. Yes, this is uh, we are definitely on this ride together right during these unprecedented times and really showcasing the advocacy work, the development work and the connecting, if you will, of minority businesses with uh, major buyers, suppliers, as well as uh, government entities. So the impact that Chicago MSDC is making or would like to continue to make, how do you think? organizations can continue to support and help yeah you know you know when i think about the history of this organization you know we're, we're what we're 54 years old uh, now you know we survived many challenges and changes but we we continue to be a leader in this space but one of the things that you and i talk about often is that we have to evolve uh, we have to rethink reimagine how we do business and how we reach our corporations and our uh, minority businesses um, in terms of, you know, what's our value proposition to them and how we can make an impact. And so uh, I, I think it's a time where we we have to really come together and think about how do businesses come together, whether it's joint ventures, partnerships, how do we develop scale, and corporations. Again, I think we need to be more intentional about opportunities because I think a lot of times everyone thinks the biggest factor we always talk about is access to capital. But as you know, we've heard and we've talked to a lot of experts, it's access to opportunities for minority businesses. And so that's where, you know, the council we're good at and we need to continue to be more intentional of connecting minority businesses with business opportunities. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so tell us a little bit, too. I know the Federal Reserve has been a huge advocate for small business and for working with others, but you also do and host a Smart Business Week. Can you tell us about that? And you've been uh, instrumental in working with Chicago MSDC as a partner on that. Is that continuing to go forward in the future? What successes have you had with that in the past? Oh, absolutely. So Business Smart Week, that's really the Federal Reserve's signature supplier diversity initiative. When I joined the bank about 10 plus years ago, you know, we've had a longstanding program called Money Smart Week at the Federal Reserve. And basically that program focuses on financial literacy for individuals. And that's been quite a uh, successful program. And so back, I think in 2012, I borrowed that idea of, hey, you know, there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. When there's a good idea, there's a good idea. So <laughs> Absolutely. I, uh, I borrowed the Money Smart Week kind of uh, concept and said, why don't we have Business Smart Week where we bring minority businesses and women-owned businesses to the bank and we, we bring in subject matter experts and try and give businesses the tools and information to better manage their business. And we've had uh, much success. I think prior to the shelter in place with the pandemic, I think we had over a thousand plus attendees over the years actually come into our facilities in Chicago and in Detroit. And we went virtual this year and it was quite successful. So we're looking to continue to build on that in 2021 and beyond. I think the virtual platform 
has its challenges, but it, at the same time, it, it gives us an opportunity to reach a larger audience. So we're excited about continuing to do that program. And our partnership with, with the Chicago MSDC has been with the MBIC committee, the Minority Business Enterprise Input Committee, spearheaded by Joyce Johnson of Anchor Staffing. What we've done is their focus is like the MBE to MBE exchange. One of the things that we want to encourage minority businesses to not only try and get corporate or government business, but try and do business with other minority businesses. You know, we have to create this ecosystem among ourselves. And so that's one of the things we try to do with uh, Business Smart Week and the the council's MBE to MBE exchange and try and bring bring us together not only for educational purposes, but for business opportunities among ourselves. Outstanding. That's great. And you can definitely count on Chicago MSDC being a long-term partner for you moving forward with that and keeping Business Smart Week going along. I think it's a great way for us to develop the businesses, which is definitely one of our pillars, but then also strengthens our relationship with the Federal Reserve, but also showcases your commitment to the businesses, the women-owned businesses, uh, the LGBT community, the veteran businesses, and all that we know really make up this great work that, that we're trying to do. Absolutely. Good stuff. So in closing, can you tell a listening audience a, a little bit more about how the Federal Reserve hopes to or, or would like to continue to work with minority-owned businesses? Is there a way for them to reach out and to continue to receive information on the programming in addition to, to what you're offering at the Federal Reserve during Business Smart yeah. Week or even as well so, as becoming a vendor? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we are doing is that, again, I mentioned at the Federal Reserve, we're trying to be more intentional with with our outreach to minority women-owned businesses. Obviously, the pandemic has created, you know, new kind of new dynamic within our organization, but we are always trying to be inclusive when we uh, we have competitive bid opportunities. One of the things that uh, we want to do, though, is continue our partnership with not only Chicago MSDC, but other organizations within in the city to really just move the needle. Also, one of the things I always remind people to do is my focus is not only to try and help you get opportunities with the Federal Reserve, but I also try to connect you with uh, business with, with our other Federal Reserve banks in the system. There are 12 banks within the system from New York to San Francisco, and they have uh, procurement operations just like we do here in Chicago. So I have counterparts in those 12 banks and districts that we have procurement opportunities. So you can certainly reach out to me, and uh, always I can connect you with my counterparts throughout the Federal Reserve System. I'll say to this, those that want to be engaged with the Chicago MSDC, please reach out to me. As I mentioned, we are trying to rebuild a new version of this organization to meet the needs of minority businesses in the future, you know, from 2021 and beyond. Um, And so if you would like to serve on committees, um, if you'd like to potentially become a a member of the organization or potentially serve on the board, please reach out to me. Uh, We would love to have you. We're looking for diverse talent across your different skill sets. You know, bring your best selves to this organization. We would love to have you. Okay. And uh, if you need my contact information, it's it's mark m a r k dot hands at c h i dot f r b dot org. Outstanding, Mark Hands, board chairman, 
of the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council have been speaking to us here on Hashtag Buy Diverse, powered by the Chicago MSDC. A huge advocate, a key player in the work that we're looking to do for minority businesses to control the narrative on business diversity. Any closing thoughts for the listeners? Just, you know, these are unprecedented times. I think, you know, the key is let's look out for each other and try and help each other the best that we can. And, uh, you know, we're we're stronger together and we're going to get through this all together. Outstanding. Yeah, that support network is always good. And I know you and I are working together on what I'm going to say is nurturing and cultivating this business diversity ecosystem here in Chicago. We, like you mentioned earlier, have been, uh, we, we were the first council of, of our 23 affiliates and working with our national offices to, again, provide advocacy work, development, and more opportunities for these businesses to continue to sustain. Again, reach out to Mark Hands. That's mark.hands at chi.frb.org. All right, Mr. Hands, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate this. And uh, I think we got some good things that's happening here. Great. All right. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Vince Williams, and you're listening to Chicago MSDC Minute. Chicago Business Opportunity Fair. In 1968, a chain of events erupted into civil and economic mayhem that shook Chicago at its very core. Rising above the turmoil, a group of corporate and community leaders were determined to cast a spotlight on hope, on seemingly hopeless situations, and created the Chicago Business Opportunity Day. The following year, in 1969, the event was officially renamed CBOF, or Chicago Business Opportunity Fair. Today, the Chicago Business Opportunity Fair is a game changer. It remains as the signature event of Chicago MSDC, a thought leader in minority business since 1968. The 54th annual Chicago Business Opportunity Fair will be held June 23rd to the 24th, 2021. This year's theme is Connecting the Dots, Business SOS, Synergies, Opportunities, Solutions. This two-day virtual conference hosted by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council is all about opportunities. Chicago MSDC brings opportunities for your minority-owned business by connecting you with other minority businesses, corporations, and government agencies looking to do business with your company. CBOF, which formerly was held at Navy Pier for many years, is our longest-running event that is now virtual in light of the pandemic. We're looking forward to this virtual event because it's an opportunity for us to connect even more businesses with our unique virtual format that allows for exhibitor booths, one-on-one meetings, networking, and almost everything you do at a typical conference. Stay tuned for more information about CBOF 54 by visiting our website at www.chicagomsdc.org and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Chicago MSDC.
listening to Hashtag Biodiverse, powered by the Chicago Minority Supplier Development Council on WGN Radio, www.chicagomsdc.org. Thank you.